Coming into the 2016 season, the NFC East was one of the divisions in the NFL that was largely up for grabs. Despite Washington winning it last year, a lot of questions surrounding that Washington team and whether they would be able to repeat as the NFC East champions. You're listening to the Quick Kicks podcast from Inside the Pylon, and today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film in order to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Mark, talking NFC East here, okay? I know you're a big Kirk Cousins fan. I know you got the you like that shirt. I do have that. I do have that. I do like that. You do like that. I, I do. It was a, a lovely, lovely gift from our good friend Dave Archibald. Uh, sent that out to me last year after I had written probably my fifth or sixth piece on Mr. Cousins. Um, but yes, yes, I am a fan of Kirk. Talk to me about Kirk so far this year. I know it's been kind of an up and down uh, road for him in terms of just, just overall, I, I'm missing the word, I guess fan enthusiasm, fan sentiment regarding Kirk Cousins here. I know there's been some questions about decision making and play calling the first couple games. What did you see this weekend against the Giants? Was it anything that was different from what we'd seen in the first couple games? Well, I mean, when you look at the first couple of games, particularly looking at that game against Dallas two weeks ago, Joe Farola, uh, writer at Inside the Pylon, has a piece that's up now on the site, I believe, or either that or it's coming. Looking at that Dallas game, and particularly two throws that he made. One a red zone throw to Pierre Garçon. Uh, there was an interception there in sort of a red cover two. He didn't see that backside safety. I believe it was a safety. Yeah, it was a safety. And just never looked off Garçon and threw it. Even though he didn't see that backside safety, the safety cuts under, underneath it for an interception. That was a situation where they could have taken the lead. And then, you know, on a later drive in the fourth quarter, they need, a, need to convert a fourth down. It's like a fourth and three or something. They designed sort of an under route again to Garçon. And Dallas is in cover one. Cousins stares it down again and doesn't do anything to move that middle linebacker um, who's just able to key that route. He doesn't intercept it, but he jumps under it and deflects it for an incompletion and forces a turnover and change of downs. Joe breaks down both of those plays very well. We saw a lot of that in his first two games. Having studied that Giants game, didn't see as much of it. And what I really kind of like about this Washington offense that we're starting to see is the continued development of Jamison Crowder as a legitimate threat in a number of different ways. We knew coming out of Duke that he was kind of, you know, a shifty guy that he can use on tunnel screens, bubble screens, get the ball into his hands in space. But he's become a little bit of a downfield threat, which, I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one. I didn't really expect that. But we're starting to see some of that develop in his game. So that's going to be a nice little weapon that they can use. They've got some weapons on offense. I mean, Jordan Reed is one of the better tight ends in the game. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson's an incredible downfield threat. Um, dangerous to go to distance anytime he's involved in a play. He had a big post route for a touchdown um, against the Giants. So, you know, if they can get Cousins to play close to the level he was at last year or just a little bit better, this is a team that can compete in that NFC East. The issues that you mentioned from Cousins in those first couple games, not necessarily looking off safeties, uh, you know, kind of throwing right into where coverage is expecting him to throw. Is that something that he displayed at all last year? Was that kind of a new thing that surprised you watching? I mean, no. I mean, you saw it at times. And there were the, there were other issues with Cousins in these first couple of games. I mean, he missed the throw talking about Crowder on a vertical route early in that Dallas game that was six. 
and you can't tell even from the all 22 if crowder ran the wrong route or if cousins threw the wrong route but it was a situation the guy was wide open where if it was just generally accurate you know there would have been a completion there but it was just it wasn't even close um so there were other issues and you know you had seen stuff like this last year at times um so I mean, the, the the key with cousins coming into this year was again very successful quarterback off of play action joe Farrell also broke that down for us um is their running game going to be enough to allow them to do that? And that opener against Pittsburgh, the game got ahead of them early. The game got away from them a little bit early. So they had to go to pretty much a pass-only offense. They saw a little bit more balance against Dallas and even more balance against the New York Giants because that game is pretty close. Looking on the other side of the ball for this Washington team here, uh, defense taking a little bit of a hit, continuing to see some struggles in the secondary with D'Angelo Hall uh, going out with a torn ACL, effectively ending his season here. You had a secondary that tried to, uh, you know, they tried to bolster that secondary with the addition of Josh Norman, but now with Hall and Bashad Breland out, at least Breland out for at least a few weeks here, you've got a pretty thin secondary there. Is that defense good enough to keep them in contention in the NFC East over the next, you know, four to six weeks? That's a huge question mark. And, you know, we saw early, I mean, very early, that Josh Norman is a corner cornerback that they're going to use primarily in sort of zone coverages. I mean, he's not going to travel. He's not going to try to be a shutdown corner. He's going to, you know, stay on one side of the field and allow that defense to kind of roll coverage to throw different looks at an offensive uh, offense and at a quarterback to do different zone type stuff. So he's not going to travel. I mean, there were times when he shadowed uh, Bryant. There were times when he stayed with Odell Beckham in this game. But primarily, they're going to be a zone team. And now going forward got Hall down, you've got Breland out for a couple weeks, they're going to have to do more of that because you can't bring in your you know, number two and number three guys depth chart-wise and then start running a lot of cover one and think you've got the athletes to stay with guys in that division like Jordan Matthews, like Nelson Aguilar, like Doriel Green Beckham, who are guys that they're going to see in weeks coming up. So they're going to have to do a lot more zone stuff. That means that do they run fire zones and try to blitz and get pressure that way i don't know but that's the big question mark for washington going forward on this side of the ball it's gonna be that secondary whether they can hold up looking on uh looking at the other uh team in this matchup here talking about the new york giants obviously uh you know this was the first loss for the giants this year so they sit there one game behind the philadelphia eagles at this point still very early in the season looking at the that giants offense i think m- myself as well as a lot of other folks out there you know, looked at that Giants offense and said, look, with all the talent that you have here, uh, you know, this should be an offense that is able to put up points week in and week out. We saw they scored, you know, good number against this Washington team, but it seems like it's been a little bit of a struggle, even with some new weapons, you know, that you look at in the receiving game with Sterling Shepard coming over and being able to make an immediate impact. What's going on on with their offense? That's interesting. I mean, obviously against Washington, they were able to put up some points on the board, like you said. That game against New Orleans, that was a confusing game to kind of watch and break down from a, you know, an observer sort of perspective because you have two pretty talented offenses, defenses that maybe aren't as talented as their counterparts, but yet neither team could really move the ball consistently or score the football or at least put the ball in the end zone. So that that was kind of interesting to see. I think for New York I don't know if finishing drives is really the right right way to put it. It's just they don't seem to be completely consistent. And I don't know if it's a play calling issue or an execution issue, but it seems like they don't string together 
good drive after good drive. They'll have a couple of good drives and then, you know, a strange number of like three and outs, four and outs, where it doesn't seem like they're on the, everybody's on the same page and it doesn't seem like they're, again, I don't know if it's execution or play calling, but it seems like the game just kind of gets off kilter from them. They're doing some good things. Like, you know, they'll be running the ball, doing some good split zone stuff, and then they'll get away from that. They had a couple of turnovers with Shane Vereen, um, had a costly fumble. The second time he had actually lost the ball, he was able to recover the first one against Washington. So that that was kind of tough. Um, so I, I think just some consistency from drive to drive is going to really help them if they want to, you know, be better offensively. You surprised at all at the uh, year one impact that we are seeing from Sterling Shepard to this point? I'm not. I this was a guy that I was really high on. I think a lot of people were really high on him. They were surprised when he fell to the second round. I mean, we were talking about Sterling Shepard when we had our draft show when we were covering the first round. You know, Shepard's a good wide receiver. It's you know he's not he's nobody's picking him up. Um, we always kind of assumed that with Odell, you were going to see safety help roll to his side of the field. So Shepard would probably see a lot of single coverage. I think the more interesting aspect to this is the health of Victor Cruz. I mean, through three games, he doesn't have a ton of numbers, but he's made some big catches. He's not getting open consistently, but he seems to be able to get separation when he needs to either extend a drive. He had a couple of big catches against New Orleans, including one that basically got them into the game winning field goal range, got them inside the five yard line, I think for that game winning field goal. And so now that it's not just Shepard and Beckham, they've got that third wide receiver and Cruz that gives them some nice weapons. If they could, you know, Donnell and Ty aren't great tight ends, but they're going to be good enough with those three guys, as long as those three stay healthy. But as far as Shepard, he's been a joy to watch. I mean, I know people are really high on Will Fuller saying that he's like the you know number one rookie wide receiver right now and there's a case to be made for that but for my money right now it's Sterling Shepard. Do you find it interesting that people are you know kind of it seems almost a little bit down on Beckham just because no touchdowns this year but still on pace for almost 1500 yards and 101 receptions. Yeah and you know I've obviously watched every single one of his snaps so far for the Bleacher Report NFL 1000 you know that you and I are doing he's still so effective as a route runner. I mean, there are a couple of routes that he ran against Washington, against Norman, where he just got him spun around, um, you know, a corner route where he used an inside release and then cuts back to the outside and just gets Norman twisted into the turf. He's just so fluid. He's just incredibly fluid. I mean, you know, it's tough to see. It's rare that you see him just completely lose on a rep. I mean, you know, the best you can do when you're going up against him is just play him to a draw almost. What I find amazing is when, when you talk about how receivers have to be able to do that, it's all about being able to generate force with your legs but still appear like you're going in a different direction. He has this uncanny ability to somehow – it's almost like watching Michael Jackson dance where you see his legs going in one direction but his body somehow goes in the other. And you're sitting there and you're kind of like, how did he do that? It, it, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's short area quickness, and, you know, there are some guys in the league, Stephon Diggs is another, that just, just have that, and that's one of the things, obviously, that you look for when you're evaluating wide receiver talent is, you know, how quickly can they change direction? How quickly can they move in a short space to be able to make that first defender miss when you you, know, you catch a comeback route and you've got that guy bearing down on your back, and you don't know exactly where he's coming from, but you can sort of feel that initial contact and spin away from that those kinds of things that Beckham can do well that Diggs can do well and we've seen some of that from some of the other rookies in this class I mean not to get too far off topic but Mike Thomas down in New Orleans Shepard certainly as well I mean those are guys that sort of have that trait 
You know who else I think, and, and I've just been watching a lot of him this year. Jarvis Landry for Miami. Yeah. You know, yeah. s- same same kind of thing. It's just that that small space quickness and that ability to just you know work with both you know the hips and the legs, just able to to generate the force that you need to get where you're going in a hurry. There, talking with Mark Schofield about the NFC East here. Before we go further, just want to give you a reminder that this show is brought to you by Crossover Football, helping coaches to win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or any mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be labeled with your own terminology, and you can create custom highlight reels that you can exchange with anyone on any platform, including your own coaches and players. To try one game for free, Sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Let's uh, let's spin over to um, this quarterback for the Eagles. What's his name? How do you pronounce that? Mason Hentz. Is it Rents? Fence? Matt Dentz? What? Carson Wentz. Wentz. Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Now, th- this is a guy who, you know, obviously, you and I had never talked about him before this no, season never. started. Came out of nowhere. Um, you know, really just blew our minds to see this guy, you know, being successful thus far. What, speaking honestly, what, what have you seen from Wentz this year? Uh, what, what has made him successful for the very early part of his NFL career? I think a lot of it goes to how he's been handled by this Eagles coaching staff. I mean, they it almost seems as if it's a no training wheels situation. It's just like, look, this is our offense and you're going to run it and we're going to give you like complete control over this team. It's your team. Go out there and do it. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion in sort of the build up to the draft, World War Wentz and all the fights that were had on Twitter about his ability sort of pre-snap and his mental capacity to play the quarterback position at a higher level. There are tons of question marks about, look, you know, he's running a simplified offense at North Dakota State. There's a level of competition deficit there compared to some other guys in this class. You know, he's not playing in the SEC. He's not playing at the FBS level. You know, he's playing at the FCS, you know. Can he come to, even come to Mobile, and have a good week there. I mean, remember back in January when it was like, you know, this is going to be a huge hurdle for this guy just to come to Mobile and play against FBS talent. Well, we were down there. We saw it firsthand. I mean, Wentz owned that week. I mean, during practices, that was his show. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, remember. You could tell. Yeah. I remember you got down a little bit before me, so you were at those first practices. And I remember I was talking to you, and you were said, look, I'm, I'm looking at Wentz. Like, he's just a big dude who is taking charge and doing what he needs to do right. Like, it was the first thing that you said to me. Um, yeah, and, and th- there's an element to that that we can't get. I mean, you think about the Brady six. You think about that moment where Steve Mariucci was talking about why they passed on Brady five times, the San Francisco 49ers. He's like, we didn't do this. We didn't open up his heart and look inside. And not that that was the issue with Wentz, but it was more like we didn't open up his head. We couldn't dive inside. But the guys that made the decisions, the guys that traded the picks to get him, they had that ability. Now... You could see some of his pre-snap ability on tape. 
I mean, I actually, I completely forgot. I wrote a piece last November about his sort of mental acumen before the snap. Ted Wynn did another piece breaking down a throw against Northern Iowa. Again, talking about that throw to win the game against Northern Iowa. That was an audible that he made pre-snap. Nothing came from the sideline. Like, so there were elements there, but I think for whatever reason, people just didn't quite buy into that and they didn't have all the weapons at their disposal to buy into that so if they had some lingering question marks about his mental process and there was nothing really available to them that they had at their disposal to change their minds to dissuade them some people did see that stuff looking at it from out the outside obviously the philadelphia eagles saw what they needed to see and it's paid off for them so far but again it's three games you know it's three games and i said it the other day around our slack channel Talk to me in three years, right? Because you know, well, he looks great right now. Teams are going to catch up to him. I mean, some other guys got off to some pretty good starts in the NFL and came crashing back to earth pretty quickly. I mean, Rick Meyer among them. Vince Young. I mean, we've we've, we've yeah. seen these guys before. That it you happens. Know, you, you can have one good year. The question is, can you do it over and over and over? as defenses start to take away what your initial strong points are. So it's something that you have to watch there. Looking at the weapons that Wentz has around him, not a ton of you know really big names. I mean, Darren Sproles probably the biggest one uh, you know out there in terms of with a proven track record. What are you seeing from some of the, the receivers that Wentz is throwing to? They're good. I think they're, you know, obviously, especially Doro Green Beckham, he's a big body. Um, they all need to be more consistent, I think, catching the ball. They've had some issues with the drops. I mean, DGB had a drop against um, the Steelers the other night. Um, Matthews and Aguilar both had drops against the Bears out in Chicago. But they're good, and they're good enough for this offense, and they have good to great moments. Like Matthews on that touchdown pass against the Browns, ran a fantastic route. Aguilar on his touchdown pass against the Browns ran another fantastic route. So, I mean, these are guys that have moments, have those flashes. They do a lot of different and creative things offensively. You know, they lose Ertz. Trey Burton steps in. They're sort of third-string tight end, catches a number of passes the other night against Pittsburgh. The question is going to be, Similar to teams sort of catching up to Wentz and starting to figure him out not that they now that they have tape on him, yep. teams catching up to what Doug Peterson is doing because it's not just stopping Wentz. It's like stopping that running game, which has been fairly successful. They've got three guys that can run the ball pretty well right now. Looking at the uh, the Cowboys now, obviously, uh, you know, Cowboys, big question mark for them preseason. Can Tony Romo stay healthy? Well, the answer was no. Tony Romo can't stay healthy at this point uh, in his career. In comes Dak Prescott. Uh, anything surprising you from Dak in terms of what you've seen to this point? Honestly, everything. I mean, remember, this was a quarterback that I was not high on at all. I had serious concerns about ball placement and accuracy that I wanted to see sort of addressed down in Mobile. I didn't see them get addressed down in Mobile. And this is a guy that I just remained, I mean, I basically had him as like a seventh round type project quarterback. So, you know, I for all you, you want to say about me sort of getting this once then right, I really whiffed on Dak, and I've tried to sort of look at his tape so far and to see what it is that I missed. The placement has been better than I ever saw. I mean, there are throws that he's making now that I didn't see him make when he was at Mississippi State or when he was down in Mobile even. They've, they haven't let him run, I think, their full offense, but it's pretty close. And what they've done a lot is getting him out of the pocket or at least getting him moving a little bit in the pocket on boot action. Yep. Give them crossers to throw to, and they've they've got 
obviously we know Des Bryant. Terrence Williams is a serviceable receiver. Cole Beasley has really opened my eyes in, had a big as year I've been so watching. Far. Had a big year. I mean, you don't want to, you know, is he Edelman? Is he Walker? I mean, he's that type of player. He's just very shifty, very tough to cover. Actually, in that game against Chicago on Sunday night, first time he caught a pass for over 20 yards. I mean, he does so much work at or near the line of scrimmage, very similar to the guys that I was just talking about. Well, it's, it's, it's all those short option routes that, yeah. that you see the New England receivers running. I mean, it's the same type of thing that you've seen from him. When you talk about the ball placement issues that you saw from Dak, how much of this is potentially related to just the different footballs that you have at the NFL versus college level? I don't know if that's the issue or... He's playing behind a great offensive line. Now, they're starting to get some injuries. I mean, we just learned that somebody else just went down. I think it was Collins. is going to yeah, be down for the years. Um, so that's kind of going to be a drawback for, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys. But he's playing behind a pretty good offensive line. So he's not facing a ton of pressure. He's more settled back there. It's not like, you know, there were times at Mississippi State when he was under duress a lot, making throws and decisions under duress. And, you know, that might have played a lot into it. I mean, in when you talk about scouting and the self-evaluation process that we should all be doing as we move on to the next draft cycle, I mean, maybe that was it. Maybe the I paid too much attention to throws that were under duress and I overvalued their importance as I was doing the evaluation. And so I didn't give enough credit to, look, when he's throwing from a good pocket, the good things can happen. And maybe that's just it. Maybe he just needed more confidence in the guys up front around him. I don't know, but it's something that I'm going to be diving into as his, as his season sort of rolls on here. Last question for you. Jason Witten, uh, now in his 14th season in the league, uh, has not missed a game since his rookie season. Do you think Jason Witten ever gets bored catching 75 passes a year for 800 yards and six touchdowns? I don't think he gets bored. And something happened in that game against the Bears Sunday night that I, I made note of when I was charting that game. They were... They've been doing a lot of hem blocking on split zones where he's crack crossing to the other side and taking the backside defensive end or even play side on outside zone running schemes. And he's now got Ezekiel Elliott, who's a different running back than he's had behind him. They had a play where they ran outside zone to his side, and he's blocking and he's blocking. And Elliott's kind of taking his time to figure out where he's going to go. And then he bounces it to the outside. And Witten can't hold the block that long. And the guy works off of him, makes a tackle for a loss of one. And the NBC Mike's picked up the F-bomb that he dropped. He was livid with himself. <laughs> and that's what you're getting from a veteran tight end just so angry because he couldn't finish a block. This was literally a very long block that he was trying to hold. He couldn't finish it, and he was just livid with himself. These guys that get to this level, they have to be so – I mean, it's like the Elway tweet that he saw that he dug up some random dude that like sent him a, a tweet of disagreement when they drafted Trevor Simeon like three years ago. He dug it up this weekend to like tweet back at the guy. I mean, to get to this level, you have to have that such a – got to be kind you know, of an a-hole. You've got to be kind of crayon. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's probably the best you, way to put it. you got to be kind of an a-hole to be that good. As you know, I was talking with uh, my buddy Nate Scott from over at USA Today earlier this week. And we were actually talking a little bit of soccer. And yeah. he's talking about, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, little guy, 17-year-old. What, 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 the, what the heck's his name? 17-year-old um, American kid. Freddie Adu? No, no, no. The guy, the guy, the guy's now. around now. Um, oh, what the heck is his name? This is, this is why know. we don't do soccer shows. Yep. Um, totally blanking on it. But he's like, okay, you know, you know, so-and-so's getting subbed out. You know, nice of him to let, like, someone else come on the pitch and, you know, have a chance and everything. And I Who go to... Yes, Pulisic. That's um, man, what a total brain cramp there. Yeah. So 
he's like, oh, you know, Pulisic, what, what a nice guy to let, you know, someone else come on the field. And I go, you think that Jordan ever liked having someone no. come into st- – Jordan would eye the guy up and say, don't choke. Like, you know, that like you need to have that at a certain level. Not like – it doesn't need to be in a malicious way like you wish someone harm, but you can totally wish for someone else to suck. You know, like that's completely – that's you need to have that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to have that extra gear. I mean, Jordan hated to lose. I mean, you think Brady's happy right now that the Patriots are 3-0 and without him? No, Brady's – what's the rumor, that he's over in uh, Italy or something yeah. I saw today? Yeah. I guarantee you that every single hotel he's stayed at, something is broken. And I guarantee Something's you the reason broken. he's there is because Giselle had to get him out of the country. Right, she's like, we need to go someplace that you can't watch football. Yeah. You know, like, this place – every hotel we're staying in has no TVs. I've taken your phones. You have no access. Yeah. So – uh, all right. Well, that that's all we got tonight. We did, that's a pretty good run through the NFC East. Huh? Ran through the NFC East pretty well, I think. It's a good run through the NFC East. I know we got some uh, we got some stuff coming up tomorrow. I know we're going to be chatting with uh, Chris Trapasso on the Buffalo Bills coming off their uh, big win against the Arizona Cardinals. We got a little kicker Friday later this week, and uh, we'll figure something out for another show. How about that? Fantastic. That's it for today, folks. Make sure if you're not already subscribed, click that little subscribe button on iTunes. You get to listen to us five days a week. I don't know what's better. Mark and I talk five days a week. You might as well listen. Chuck's might out as of, well. Chuck's out of Mark Schofield for the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Signing off. <laughs>